and welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is New to Tune. Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Stewart. Joining me, as always, my wonderful co-host, Nicole Davis. How are you this fine evening? Well, uh, I managed to put my phone down long enough to come to my rig and get it all set up for podcasting. So I think I should be all set and hopefully my teenage boys will not murder one another while I am in here. I think you probably put your phone down long enough than anybody in this movie to do that. (laughs) But we'll get into that. David did pick this movie. David Luzader, everybody. Hi, my dog just decided to grab her squeaky toy right now. I'm now holding it out of her hand. (laughs) You're welcome, listeners. (laughs) You know, we recently got a dog and I woke up the other night with my face in a turnip because it's like this big, giant, soft, (laughs) fake turnip that squeaks. So I'm just rolling over and here's... It was very, very peculiar. It was kind of slobbery. It was not a pleasant experience. Uh, (laughs) But this movie... It's a thing. But before we get into it, I do want to do a couple shout outs. First of all, next week is Netflix Roulette. That is the week where uh, every single time we do Netflix Roulette, myself, David, Nicole, all spin a Netflix Roulette generator wheel. We uh, we bring out all the TV shows and we also take out uh, pretty much documentaries and anything less than an hour. Uh, and that allows us to essentially spend three times between the three of us and then pick between those three. So we have a little bit of an opportunity to discern about what we're going to watch, but not a lot. We're still left up to the Netflix gods and we are going to be watching memoir of a murderer memoir of a murderer is, I believe a South Korean film. Yes. It's about a former, certainly not North Korean. So (laughs) is a former serial killer movie who has Alzheimer's. It should be interesting. I'm actually quite, I'm excited for this, right? Like this is better. I think than what Netflix roulette could potentially give us. It's better than that movie where a woman better than looked Lucky for her ben. ex-boyfriend for an hour and a half and <laughs> yeah. learned nothing. It's, yeah. it's going to be better than Lucky Them, but we're excited to check it out, and maybe it'll actually be something for the first time on Netflix Roulette. We can recommend you. And then, of course, every single week we give well, shout-outs we to anyone. We fellas on Netflix Roulette once. Oh, my so. gosh, you're right. We did. <laughs> I can recommend that. Sometimes we get good ones. We should make a little stamp of approval for the website about whether or not people are <laughs> should see these movies. But in any case, we always give a shout out to folks interacting with us either in our mailbag or on social networking on Twitter and Facebook. Shout out to David uh, Ginsburg of Tales of the Fandom. He was responding this last week. Keep in mind that we're a little bit ahead of you right now. Uh, to Jackie Brown, who's saying it's a great movie. He was excited to go into the episode and listen to it. We appreciate his feedback. And Jackie Brown is an awesome movie. Uh, if you haven't heard that episode in our backlog at this point, go ahead and check that out. That was another new to two, I believe. Yes, that was so, one that I brought. Yeah, it was the last time we did this. So go and check it out. Thanks for listening, David. Tales of the Fandom. Check his show out. Tales from the Fandom. It's a really good podcast. And I think I'm going to guest host part of it in a couple months, which I'm super excited about. So, let's listen or talk. Been a long day, guys. Ingrid Goes West, (laughs) 2017. This was David's pick. A deeply insecure woman who can't live without social media becomes attached to an Instagram celebrity she thinks would be the ideal friend and role model. When she befriends her in real life, the relationship doesn't go the way she had imagined. David, this movie came out just last year. Why did you pick Ingrid Goes West for Nudity? 
Okay, so this was a movie, um, as people know, I've probably talked about on this podcast, I love the Alamo Draft House. I think it is the the way that movies should be watched. And they were doing this big push, like Ingrid Goes West, you know, is this movie that we're really promoting here at Alamo Draft House. So I got super interested in it and uh, saw it. And it was interesting. I had complicated feelings towards it. And then it came time for New to Two. And... I knew you guys hadn't seen this movie. It was, it was a smaller release. So I, and I, you know, I, I had interesting feelings on it. So I thought you guys might as well. And I thought that it would be interesting to, to discuss it. I will say having watched it a second time, my feelings on it have changed a bit. I'll mm. get kind of more into that as we go along, but yeah, it is a, it is a movie that I think is, it's got great critical reviews, not, super hot but like pretty good audience reviews so there is a quality to it but i can see why people are not necessarily drawn to it i think just like next week's release this movie comes dangerously close to being titled memoir of a murderer uh (laughs) (laughs) there's some dark stuff in this movie and i think the best way to do that is to really just dive directly into our discussion topics that we all create And the first one, really hidden at home at the beginning, happy, fun discussion of borderline personality disorder and its portrayal in this movie from Nicole. Yeah, our main character, Ingrid, um, there there are mental issues at play here. I don't know how well they're articulated in this film. Yeah, it's never stated directly, but when I started poking around online after watching this movie, there were a lot of people who were saying that they... Um, that they identified with her, that, you know, they also have borderline personality disorder and can really understand some of these behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, borderline personality disorder is it's horrifying. Borderline. Like she's almost got a personality disorder, but not quite. It's supposed yeah. to be in like in between neurosis and psychosis. That's the borderline in question. Uh, it's a mental illness. Uh, let's see. This is according to the National Institutes of Health. Uh, marked by an ongoing pattern of varying moods, self-image, and behavior. These symptoms often result in impulsive actions. I think Ingrid has a few of those. And problems in relationships. Uh, People with borderline personality disorder disorder may experience intense episodes of anger, depression, and anxiety that can last from hours to days. Uh, Their interests and values can change quickly. They tend to view things in extremes, such as all good, all bad, their opinions of other people can also change quickly. Uh, someone whose friend one day may be considered an enemy or a traitor the next. So it can uh, be unstable relationships. Yeah, another. So I, I do. I agree with that assessment that it's. And she she acknowledges at the end when she's doing her suicide letter that yeah. there's something wrong with me and I don't know what to do, and I'm broken and scared so you know she's sadly going this direction there's another uh piece of media that's out right now that is very popular dealing with borderline personality disorder as well and that is crazy ex-girlfriend uh which is a great show that i think if if you enjoy musicals and serious looks at mental illness it's a weird venn diagram but if you're in that if you're in that overlap it's like it's that one movie it's What's it called? Silver Linings Playbook and that, right? There's musicals. Yeah, that, essentially, more actually, or less. Yeah, the female character in that has something similar to, to BPD. Yeah. So I think it's, it's just interesting to see that, see the different ways that it's portrayed in various 
media where crazy ex-girlfriend doesn't shy away from it but it, you know they it's still a comedy and they kind of have fun they don't they're not, never making fun of the situation but they're still having fun with what's going on and musicals and blah 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 and this is just rough <laughs> this movie is hard yes. to watch at times yeah ingrid is not getting the help she needs even though she has a she has a stint uh in a mental hospital after the incident where she maces the bride at a wedding uh that she barely knew like well presumably the bride was somebody that she had befriended and then you know the bride then did something that ingrid regarded as turning on her and so swung from love to hate well, later so in the movie, there's wedding. someone in a grocery store that sees her and they're like, oh, yeah, she found this person on Instagram mm-hmm. and it, never even really met them or like met them like once or something like that. Like, that's how well, she I, knew I, who Ingrid I, was. I imagine it was a similar sort of Taylor situation, though. I don't think they ever say what town she's from in the beginning. It, it seemed like it may have been like a smaller community sort of thing. So what maybe, well, I don't know, because I guess there was still that girl seemed like a similar sort of Instagram influencer type. So this just seems to be her MO, is finding those people and latching onto them. Right. And this is some extreme latching. I mean, I don't know if you noticed, it's actually subtle because she's wearing a sweatshirt on top of it, but she's actually wearing one of the bridesmaids dresses. Yes. Yeah. When she comes stomping into the wedding. So she's... I did not notice that. Yeah, I noticed yeah. that the first time oh, I watched boy. it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, throughout this entire movie, you're cringing so hard, right? Like, it is it is a testament to how far a movie can push you into, like, feeling uncomfortable. Because I felt really uncomfortable this whole movie. Like, And also, I just feel really bad for Ice Cube Jr., uh, Ice Cube Jr. Um, I don't actually know his real name. I just know he's Ice Cube's kid and looks like O'Shea Jackson Jr. Okay, O'Shea Jackson Jr. plays. Who is her. yes, Ice Cube Jr. Ice Cube. Yes, yeah, it, he it, actually is, is. it is Ice Cube's son. Right. Yes. For what it's worth, it actually is his son. <laughs> um, yep. And also just a great actor in his own right. His father made him yeah. audition to play was, his father. This was his second acting role after uh, Straight Outta Compton. Really? Yes. I love him. Yeah. Uh, and so he's in this movie and he plays Ingrid's landlord of sorts when she moves slash west, boyfriend? goes west. Slash like, yeah, boyfriend question mark? Because she immediately starts taking advantage of him. And really in very toxic ways, you know? she He establishes very early on what's important to him in his life. Uh, she's immediately breaking the rules, the very few rules that he sets for her with like no animals and We'll get into why she has an animal. He starts, she starts taking his car, his truck, and lying to him and destroying the truck and not getting back to him when he needs it by and not following through with promises with this guy. And the entire right. movie, he is the only character I like. He's the only one that's <laughs> not a self-absorbed, vain asshole. And But he is stuck in childhood. Oh, he's he's absolutely he's stuck in childhood. He thinks he's Batman, but I love him because, in contrast to everyone around him, he has soul and he has personality, and above all, he has individuality. And that's something that he actually tries to flex a couple times, and she just shuts it right down. And I feel so bad for him in this movie. No, I mean he's definitely he's got soul and personality, but I I would say he's not actually. You know, he's a he's at least a semi-functional adult. No, I, well, yeah, I'm not saying he's not a semi-functional adult, but the the reason why he is so obsessed with Batman 
you know, there is some uh, regression there, I, I guess, like just sort of, he's kind of like whatever, ha- you know, his identification with Batman happened in childhood and, and stuck with him. It right. really happened with the Joel Schumacher films, which I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> you just have, I think it's just he's coincidentally the right age for yeah, them. Yeah, no, they, well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like those were that was the time where that made. So those are his touchstones for the Batman character. Which, like, guys, I'm super into Batman. Right. I like. I'm gonna get a Batman tattoo. Uh, that is nobody's touchstone with Batman. That's like considers themselves like a big Batman fan. Yeah, but I mean, it. I don't think. I mean, it's not. Um, I don't think his obsession with Batman is necessarily an indicator of like being stuck in Arrested Development. I think that comes more from him being orphaned at a relatively young age. Yeah. So. Though I am concerned that he says all these things about how Batman's just like you and I. He can go and save things without having superpowers. But also, he's a billionaire. Like, <laughs> everything he's saying in this movie, I'm like, and also training. he's a billionaire, right? Like, he, he's not exactly like you and me. Um, right, he they, can afford to not have a real job and go train in the <laughs> Himalayas. Yeah, they, he trained with ninjas, with the world's greatest detectives, with... Yeah, he, he spent years becoming a human war machine. <laughs> Which, if I tried to go beat up criminals right now, one, where would I find them? I live in a, a small city slash big town. Uh, and I'd probably get my butt kicked really quickly. I yeah. could not go be Batman right now, no matter how much I wish. Well, he wishes he could be Batman, so much so that it is a sexual <laughs> fantasy of sorts. Uh, let's talk of about sorts? this scene. <laughs> uh, it is. Um, so, I watched this scene... And I want to explain two different reactions to this as I was watching it. I was watching it. I was saying, okay, maybe Ingrid actually likes this guy. And maybe she cares about him. And this is a weird relationship, but albeit a relationship. And then Claire, my significant other watching this, says, no, she's just sleeping with this guy because everyone she's trying to impress thinks she has a boyfriend. She doesn't. Mm And she needs a boyfriend to go to this party over the weekend that she's invited to and says she'll bring her boyfriend Dan to. So she's got to make a boyfriend really quick. No, I think I think it's because because he says something of like, I care about you. And that's all she wants in the world. Yes. Is somebody to say, I care about you. And so she is willing to just throw herself at him emotionally and physically. I mean, they say they say, I love you so flippantly at that beach house. Uh, it's, it's just so like bizarre, but yeah, it's because he is like, no, you know, I care about you. She's like, okay, sure. I'll sleep with you. I'll do like whatever you want. Like somebody is looking at me and seeing me. Yeah. I mean, he says, he says exactly the right things. He tells her he cares about her and she asks why. And he tells her that, you know, like she's got this, this special kind of light inside her. And that's, that's all she wants is to be special and, you know, to be loved, even though she's different from other people. And so, you know, there is, like, I have to admit, there's a thing sometimes where if you get the, the right sort of compliment at the right time, you're like, all right, bed, let's go. Let's now, you know, <laughs> close off, get in there. Let's go. Close so, off. Claws on. Uh, claws on. Yes, presumably. Presumably, uh, a cat, a Catwoman mask that 
he owns is ready to go, right? Like, fits her perfectly. Like The amount of props that he had means this is not a, a fan. Like, he was ready for this fantasy and to explore it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and, and good for him for knowing what he wants. And good for her for being willing to go along with it. For willing to say Gotham needs you in Gotham the middle of sex and say it sincerely. That's right. And Bye, I golly. This entire movie, all I can think about, and in the very last scenes, is get away, Dan. Get away. I, I love I love that we have just focused on the Dan part of the story. We're going to get elsewhere. But... <laughs> an important part of the story, but it's just funny that it's like, just this random different like let's just talk about dan real quick let's talk about ice dan cube is jr the most likable character in this movie he is the most yeah. likable character so but to oh, move away sure. from dan a little bit i do think he desperately needs to move away from ingrid which he shows no signs of doing at the end of this movie quite the opposite but well he can't really move anywhere he's on a scooter yeah also is he like paralyzed at the end of this movie no he's, no, got, no. he's got a neck brace but okay i think he just got really really beat up by Nikki or, or whatever Nikki, his name was. Yeah. Nikki, so let's talk yes. about let's talk about Nikki and let's talk about Taylor and the entire family that Ingrid attempts <laughs> to befriend. So Ingrid latches on to this uh, inner Instagram model named Taylor, who calls herself a photographer uh, and influencer. She's an influencer. influencer and does her best to explain her job as I'm a photographer and sometimes brands pay me to put things on my social media. No, that's all you do. I have a lot of problems with this movie and the extreme nature of social media that it delves into. But uh, she latches onto this girl. She really, really wants to be just like Taylor. She starts dressing like her. She starts looking like her. She starts mimicking her her hair like her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she She starts going to the the restaurants. restaurants. Exactly. Starts getting the same things she eats, even though she doesn't like them. All the way to the point where she steals this woman's dog after following her home. And brings the dog back the next day just so she can be the knight in shining, shining armor to come back and give her her lost dog. And from there on, through the rest of the movie, or the majority of the movie, they become better and better friends as Ingrid just happens to be there for everything they could ever possibly need and the best friend. And it gets increasingly but, more distraughting there on after her. Well, yeah, but then but then you have this Harley Chung character. You have the, the new thing come in and... Right. Taylor starts pulling away like almost instantly. Like Taylor doesn't have a best friend. She has a, like a real best friend. She's like a best friend of the moment, the hot new thing. And she's just right. passing off from one person to the next. And it just so happens for a little bit to be Ingrid. Right. And I mean, Harley Chung has a million followers on Instagram. So she's yeah, much it's- more, you know, clearly much more important and interesting because she's got, all these extra followers. And by the way, Harley Chung played by uh, Palm Clementif, who's Mantis in the Guardians. Yeah, I did not realize that that was Mantis. Oh. The oh, yeah. first time I watched it. Yeah. It's not a it's not a big part. She doesn't no, talk you, a lot. You, yeah, you only hear her speak like once or twice in the whole movie. And she's brought to us by Taylor's uh, brother named Nick or Nikki, depending on how uh. fond you are of him in the movie, apparently. And... Nikki, uh, David put in our docket, oh, Nicole rather, is Nick the most horrible 1980s movie rich boy ever? Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's the worst. Uh, he shows up out of nowhere, you know, trust fund McGee. <laughs> trust fund McGee immediately starts being a jackass everyone around him, starts blackmailing Ingrid. Uh, just, he's the one who introduces them to million followers, Facebook lady. This shows how much I really know about Instagram. And 
He's the worst. He's the worst of all of yeah. them. Oh yeah, he's horrible. He's absolutely yeah. horrible. He's that sort of person who gets like right in your personal space and says like makes these horrible personal comments about you, these little barbs and digs and when if you object then he's like, What's the matter? Can't you take a joke? God, I was just fooling around. You're taking it so personally. Yeah, he calls he calls knows. Ingrid Olga the whole movie because yes. he knows it's not her name. Yeah. Because that's it gives him this weird power over her. Right. And, and he's a rich boy and he can do whatever he wants. And actually, this guy seems to have a little bit of a, of, a, of a typecast, at least from the two things I've seen him in the last two weeks, because he's also in Game Night. And I, I rented that the other night with Claire, and it was surprisingly absolutely fantastic. Highly recommend Game Night. Uh, but he's in Game Night as essentially the same character, more or less. Uh, and he does it so well. And there's yeah, something he does. He's great at it. So distraughting about his entire character because even in the face of getting kidnapped, he's still a snarky jerk. Because to fast forward for audience that don't watch the movie, he uh, threatens Ingrid when he finds out that she has been stalking his sister, more or less, and she decides to take Dan, poor Dan, to go into the middle of the desert and fake kidnap this guy because she has convinced Dan that he No, that's a real her. kidnapping. That's real not kidnapping. a fake. Even in the face of all of this, he's still the worst human being. And he's so horrible the entire movie and also apparently not dead. Did anyone else think he was going to get killed by being hit yeah, by a tire she, iron? She just hit him once, which that would have to be a really directed blow to kill him. You have to get to like, just the right spot. Yeah, but I mean, it, a tire iron could certainly do the job. Right, right, but I think I mean no offense to Aubrey Plaza. I don't know how much. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if she's capable of killing a man in one swing along the back with a tire iron. Depends on if you swing from Dep- the hip or not. It's true. Yeah, <laughs> Aubrey Plaza, contact us. Let us know if you're uh, capable, capable of murder. Of murder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but she does leave this guy out there, and he inexplicably just gets back to civilization, seemingly fine, and they, finally I mean, is able to tell the family that. That she is not who she claims. It's basically a millennial version of Wedding Crashers. Uh, if Wedding Crashers was super dark, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I've seen enough indie movies that are like dark but funny and then they suddenly go real dark for me to be kind of expecting for Nikki to die out in the desert. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad that he didn't. I think that would have been a bridge too far for the movie. Yeah, it would have th- been hard to be sympathetic towards ingrid after that and especially getting poor dan caught up in it yeah poor dan poor dan i just got to title this episode you might have poor done dan. all the drugs in your glove box sorry yeah we did all the cocaine <laughs> in your glove box <laughs> it is good to know he's not just packing a real gun around everywhere though yes, it was a paintball gun true. I was yeah, happy. That, well, yeah and that nikki straight up tried to shoot him in the mouth yeah. oh yeah he pulls the gun off him because they're very bad kidnappers in the middle of the desert and shoots him expecting to kill him it's all very distraughting (laughs) Um, but this entire family I think what I really want to get into the core of is that I have a problem with everybody in this family for different reasons Uh, I don't think anybody in this movie except Dan I love Dan anybody in this movie (laughs) except Dan is a good person like 
I, I struggle I with it. I Even know. the husband, who I am most sympathetic to in the family above all, simply because he seems like he hates everything. He doesn't like who his wife has become. He hates he her brother. Like. But at the same time, he feeds into this weird social media vanity project where he's just putting hashtag squad goals over old photos of horses. It's- it's because well, it's because he's so caught up in Taylor, and you know he loves her and doesn't want to like end his marriage with her. But he's so miserable. Yeah, you, know, you get that whole thing of like, oh well, when he decided to quit his job and become an artist, like you know that wasn't his decision. That was her being like, oh, you're so creative, babe. You could totally do this, and like she probably pushed him into it, and now right. he's miserable trying to do it. But it's like. Taylor has such a strong personality that, you know, like what's and he and he knows it's all it's all bullshit. They're gonna get divorced. Like that's that's gonna happen. <laughs> that's, like, that's inevitable. And it does yeah. it does you know ask the question Nicole put in our docket was is is the external validation provided by social media actually fostering dependency? Uh, and this is a great question, and I think I think it's true because throughout this movie. Ingrid excluded, because she's the obvious example of this, Taylor is only able to function because of the endless praise in her life. The endless stream of vanity, like, boosting social media comments. And it's very alarming to me, because I see this online all the time, and I know people that are very focused on the likes that they get, and the views they get and the listens they get. And these are things that I think are so toxic so quickly and can create such a dependency on them. I would go crazy if I was checking our numbers every five minutes. <laughs> a, because they're not really going that much up every five minutes, if at all. And B, because it's such an unhealthy thing to do. And digital media and social media have created an environment where you can do that and you can live that kind of life. There are scenes in this movie where Ingrid is just sitting refreshing, right? And it's also like kind of haunting because you're thinking back like, oh, crap, I probably have done that after I posted something at some point in my life. Right. I've flipped up the screen to see if anyone noticed me. And yeah. that's yeah. what's creepy about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it does. It. I mean, it it takes it to that extreme. But there is that little bit that we can all see ourselves in what Ingrid is doing. And right. as much as we all like hate Taylor, you know, of how she is. It's like, there's something too of like, well, you know, there's like, there's, there is a part that it's like, well, you know, if I, I love, I wish that like I could post anything and have all these people be like, Oh, that's so great. You're so cool. You're the best. And like, I don't really want that, but I, I get the appeal of right, that exactly. and why that's like, yeah. so, so much a pull for people like Ingrid. It's like this, this movie feels too real at times. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that That's my point. Scary. It's like, yeah. there are things Ingrid is doing on her phone that I know I have done at some point in my life. Not to the extremes, certainly not to the extremes that she goes to, but I know I have done them, and that's what's creepy about it to me. Like, Claire and, turned to me, and she's like, this movie's kind of scary. And I'm like, in a yeah, certain it, way, I understand what you mean. They Well, they, 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 they mention, I think Nikki even says, like, a single white female. This is sort of like a modern-day actually it is a modern day single white female like this is just hitting me uh minus some of the really weird thriller tropes of the 90s uh it's a little more rooted in reality uh but watching the movie this time i really kind of got a better sense for the character of ingrid and not to say like anything she does is justifiable but you do get like her mom's 
illness was really painful on her. And I think like maybe she was kind of trapped in that house with her mom. And there's something about the world of social media that was maybe like a bit of an escape that, sure. that, that's why she's so drawn to it is it's it's the perfect world outside instead of being stuck in you know the place where you're the, the world where your mom is dying around you 24 7 right and that was probably going on that was going on for long enough for her living room to be set up like a hospital room yes right so uh, we should actually point that out uh, we've glossed over that entirely ingrid is able to go west wherever west from where she is uh in order to pursue taylor and pursue this life because she gets sixty thousand dollars from um her mother's you know estate after her mother dies now i started doing the math on this pretty early in the movie and there's a certain point where i stopped keeping track because nothing made sense she spends all this money so absurdly quickly that it doesn't even logically make sense at the end of the movie because she has sixty thousand dollars at the beginning she gets to LA, she finds an apartment that's $2,900 a month, she's required to give two months de- uh, deposit, that's about, you know, let's say 6000 then she's required to pay a month rent, because she's living there for at least a month during this movie, that's almost $10,000 at that point, and then on top of that, she's going in and spending lavishly, she's buying $1,200 lamp things, she's buying, you know, extravagant lunches and dinners, and she's... Uh, buying all the same clothes and stuff that Taylor buys, which presumably is very expensive. And at, at some point, she spends ten thousand dollars. Oh, it's when she buys that painting. It's twelve. Yeah. Oh, no, I guess that was just twelve hundred. Yeah, yeah. So she I, buys I, this I, painting, and at the end of the head. movie, she decides, you know what, I'm going to do. I'm going to buy the abandoned house next door to them that they want to buy, so I can just kind of live next to them, even though they don't want to see me anymore, because they do find out about all of this through previously kidnapped brother and well she i think says, it's also for i think it's also for spite oh it's 100 percent after oh yeah absolutely absolutely taylor. uh and she but, knows taylor wants that property so she goes over and to the real estate office and dumps all the rest of her cash on the table which makes no sense she, she started with sixty thousand dollars she dumps fifty thousand dollars on the table she spent I, I 10 wondered, in the first half hour of this movie i mean i wondered if maybe yeah, there's something else with the estate or what you know with like the sell, they like sold the house or something. I don't know. That that was a little bit unclear. The first time I watched it, I just kind of breezed by it. I was like, yeah, whatever. This time, I was paying more attention to the numbers, and that was confusing. Oh, it makes no sense. And also, I'm just so distraught that her rent for a one bedroom apartment in LA is twenty nine hundred dollars a month. No, that sounds about right. It yeah. does. It absolutely does. But my depending god. on where in LA. Yeah. Exactly. My god. But yeah, she goes through this money very quickly and then does run out eventually, right after she's dropped this 50K on this tiny little house, this barren house. She does run out of money and there's this really upsetting series of events to watch. She's watching Taylor and her and her husband and their friends and family out her window with binoculars She's getting phone calls from the power company saying they're going to turn off the power in this building. She doesn't have money to buy toilet paper, so she starts ripping up books, and instead she buys booze. And you later find out the reason she buys booze is because she wants to kill herself with it by taking it with a lot of pills. It's a very dark half-hour ending to this movie. Yeah. Yeah, they... uh, She... At the end of this movie, I was like, oh, man, she's going to have, like... 
like debt to deal with and she's in the hospital stuff. So like, well, she actually doesn't have a bank account. Everything kind of shown throughout this movie. She just apparently purchases and does all in cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, she's going to have giant uh, hospital bills, but at the end, she herself becomes an influencer in a way. Yeah. And to talk a bit about that, what really distraughts me about the end of this movie, and I keep using the word distraught. I'm very distraught by this movie. Yes. <laughs> yes. I am distressed by this movie as well. And is that, is there an element of suicide romanticization, romanticization of at the end of this on, movie on social media? Yes. But even yeah, in regard to it, which is why she surrounds herself with candles and like has a pillow and the photograph of, you know, the first Instagram photo of her and Taylor together. And she's got everything all set up very ritualistically. And she shows the entire thing on video on Instagram. And, but I think that it's even further than that. It's not just her fans, which she does garner over the course of the movie through Taylor. And it's not just her. I think that the the response that the screenwriter gives her at the end of this movie romanticizes what she did because it gives her the reward. I don't even want to say the reward. It gives her what she was looking for all along in a really unhealthy way and is yes. no doubt going to send her in a further and more treacherous spiral. And all you had to do was try to kill yourself. Like that upset me at the end of this movie. Yeah, but there, I mean, 13 Reasons Why is not a show that I've watched. Uh, (laughs) But my understanding (laughs) is that that's my reaction to 13 Reasons Why. Tell us how you really feel about it, Brett. (laughs) Yeah. My understanding is that that show uh, is pretty big on romanticizing suicide and that revenge suicide is okay. And also now school shootings. Spoilers. Oh, boy. I am not going anywhere near that show ever. Uh, where this this movie does such a big job of painting how broken and messed up Ingrid is that I don't feel like the message of the movie is like attempt suicide guys. That's a smart, like that's a good move. It's yeah. like, it is that it is that the world of social media is so uh, fake and, and romanticized and, you know, when you're open and honest on it, people flock to it because, oh, it feels so real. You know, she was real on there and people resonate with that. And she's ultimately just going to become another Taylor. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, after she wakes up in the hospital after her suicide attempt, uh, you know, Dan comes in to see her and he's, you know, checking her and say, you know, are you all right? You're not going to go off for three weeks at a time again. And she, you know, closes her eyes and shakes her head. And it looks like she's like resigning herself to trying to just live her life like an ordinary person and maybe try to have a relationship with this guy and, you know, just try to uh, live a regular life. And then he tells her that she's suddenly got way more followers because her video went viral and it's the worst the, the movie makes it clear that it's the worst possible thing that could happen to her was for oh, her yeah. to become popular on social media because of this. Yeah. And, but there, there's also, oh, I love that the last 
kind of the last thing in the movie is is her you know reading through these and there's the voiceover of all the different comments being read and the last voice you hear uh saying hashtag i am ingrid is taylor's voice is elizabeth olsen's voice meaning like despite all of this social media instagram is such bullshit that no matter what you know damage ingrid has done to taylor's life she's going to post hashtag i am ingrid because that's the hashtag of the moment that is what's going to get her you know more likes and and she's going to buy into that because that's what the trend is at the time and see that's what is distressing to me (laughs) is that when you see an outpour this is like a double-edged sword of humanity for me when you see an outpour of sympathy online it's it only happens when it is in vogue to be sympathetic about something and not only i'm not going to be that cynical but a lot of times it is in vogue to be sympathetic movie so yeah and also you only are really going to be sympathetic to the person that has enough of a following where if you're sympathetic to them, other people are going to see you being sympathetic, a la Taylor or the like. And this movie doesn't. We all see it every day on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I recently saw somebody um, trying to create a GoFundMe for someone who got hurt. And I don't, I honestly don't believe they knew the person. Um, And it was not a goodness of their heart thing. It was a, you know, I want some attention. Oh, that's, That's how she's going to pay her hospital bills. It's like, go fund me. <laughs> of course. Oh. Right, right. And it's, but this is a, a systemic thing through people we know. I bet people can count on two hands at least how many people they know on social media that they've come across that do things like this. And even in the end of the movie, I guess I'm just so upset by it because even at the end of the movie when she's gone through this experience, she's tried to kill herself, she manages to come out on the other end alive and people finally have sympathy for it. But even when they have sympathy for her, it's still as empty as the praise they had before. Uh, do you guys kind of get what I'm so, saying? Yeah. So, so yeah. let me say, I, I'm not going to fully go into it here, but I, uh, you know, had some stuff in my life happen that I have decided at different times when appropriate to post about it on social media in great long in depth posts. Um, and usually when that happens, people respond to it. You know, people will like or emoji or whatever the appropriate, you know, social media platform response is. And people will comment on it and say, like, you're brave, you know, good, like, good for you for sharing. And, and you know, I appreciate those people. Like, I think those thoughts are genuine. But never after posting that did any of those people who commented, like, ever message me and right. like follow up and, and and talk with me about it. Like I was doing that because it was part of, uh, because it felt appropriate to do it at those times and mm-hmm. not because like, I'm, you know, I'm trying to, this is, this is my, my people and my personality is me sharing my story to be part of the narrative. And I, someone like Ingrid, those comments of like, you're so brave, you're great. Those are like, what is validating her, uh, where for me, it was just like, okay, cool. Like you guys saw it. Thank you very much for responding to it. Uh, but I would have, you know, it would have meant more to me if somebody had been like, hey, you know, like messaged me personally or called me or texted me and followed up with me. Uh, so, I get, so I absolutely, that's, I'm saying that of like, that I do get what you're saying. Yeah. That and people buy so heavily into the, the immediate response instead of the in-depth response. And I think there's also a element of social media making it easier 
uh, to not only provide people a response to how they're feeling, but do it publicly and almost mm-hmm. pat yourself on the back for it. Well, I mean, everything you do is like, do you want to share that you backed this thing on this website? Oh yeah. Uh, and I'm even like talking about when you get on Facebook every day on the app, if it's some of your friends' birthdays, it'll be like, hey, it's their birthday. Why don't you wish them a birthday? And then you wish them a happy birthday. It opens up a box. You don't even have to go to their page. You don't have to message yeah. them. It just pops right. it right up on your phone. And I I'm, I'm, I actually find this slightly convenient at times because it tells me when people's birthdays are. <laughs> oh, it's but, super convenient. But maybe that's also part of the problem. I should just put those in a calendar if I really care. <laughs> like, There are other ways to go about doing that. And I feel like this movie gets into a lot of it, perhaps in a very cynical way, but I felt myself really emotionally uh, attached to what was going on in the sense that it, it hit on all these cylinders of what I don't like about social media and also made me feel uncomfortable with relating to the things that I did feel feel like I have done or or you know would feel similarly about it's got a lot of emotions guys it's a lot going on <laughs> yeah no I mean this feels. yeah this movie prompts a lot of discussion it absolutely does another discussion topic we have actually ties directly into this is Ingrid relatable do we all have people from the internet and social media we wish we could feel or uh you know like we they know what we don't what does this say? We feel like we know them, even though we really don't. Oh, but don't. we don't. Okay, my bad. This is an interesting one, right? And this actually, I don't, I don't want to hop on your question here, David, but this immediately thought brought to mind something for me. Uh, I, I'm i a big fan of the Frog Pants shows. Oh, yeah. I, I like them. They're great. Um, and I, I don't always agree with the host, but in general, I really like them. And a long time ago, when I used to listen to The Morning Stream, which is Scott Johnson and Brian Ibbett's show, um, someone wrote into their show and said, I was talking about you one day and about your podcast, and I said, my friend Scott or my friend Brian, and I realized I've never actually met you in person. Maybe we've only emailed once or twice, if that. Am I allowed to call you my friend? And because they're really nice guys, and also it's a very close-knit community, uh, they're like, absolutely, you know, we're all friends here. But I think there is that element, right, where you start to feel like you are a friend of someone that you listen to so much. Maybe they open up so much of their life that you feel so intimately close to them, and they probably don't know you that much. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I could, I, you know, this is because, uh, you know, if the person has that sort of personality where you feel like this is someone, this is the type of person I would be friends with in real life. And then you get to spend like this, this virtual time with them mm-hmm. if they're on social media or if they're like a YouTube personality, um, like a f- few years ago, my kids were super into watching, you know, gameplay videos, mostly of like Jacksepticeye and Markiplier, who have Mm. these huge followings, you know, that's like over a million that each of these guys have watching their YouTube channels. And, you know, particularly, I think that Markiplier, I don't know his actual last name. Um, (laughs) Or his first name, for for the record. It's Mark. Or is it Mark? Is it Mark? Okay, that's good. (laughs) But I mean, he seems like the sweetest nicest guy in the world but not in like a a goody two-shoes way in like a fun sweet friend that you love to hang out with kind of way and you get to feel like you you know him and it's like really i don't yeah you know he could be i don't know he could be horrible to waiters for all i know i don't know probably not 
you know, <laughs> hopefully not, but hopefully not. But I mean, that's, I don't actually know the guy and he certainly doesn't know me, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the really dangerous bit. And that's something that I, I use often to keep myself in check to keep from being like making overly familiar comments to people on social media is I need to remind myself that while they may share a lot of themselves on social media, they don't know me at all. And yeah. friendship has to be a mutual. It has to be. A, it's a two-way street. Yeah. 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 We mentioned uh, Frog Pants. You know, we were kind of talking about Scott Johnson. And that's, that's some... how the three of us met, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. We were all part it, of that same community. We should also in, state none uh, of us have met in person. Like, right? Like two no, years yeah, of podcasting. No, no. <laughs> so it does work in the friendship long term. Yeah. But but talking about like a Scott on Morning Stream, you know, talks about his day and... Uh, and, you know, oh, like this happened to me yesterday. Like, tell stories that, like a friend would tell you. Uh, and he talks about like kind of his feelings on stuff that his kids do. Like he opens up on those shows that it's hard not to feel like I was walking my dog today, listening to the morning stream. And Scott said something in some passing thing that was that was factually wrong about something I know about. And so I just went like, no, it does not. Like I said that out loud. That happens a lot with Scott. Scott gets a lot of Twitter messages. But uh, to kind of, you know, have a a different example from ones we've already discussed, I recently have discovered that K-pop is really fun to listen to. Yes. I've seen this trilogy. Welcome to Cult. Yeah. I've seen the saga on Twitter from you. It is a cult because I was like, okay, who... What? Who is this band? Who is? We'll just go for a very specific example. Who is Blackpink? Who are these people? You know. And so I Google like, and I'm just trying to look for like, you know, Wikipedia. Like, look at like their like just their names, so I know like who am I looking at here? And there are so many like websites that are like, oh, like K-pop fandom. And if you go on there, yeah. it will tell you their names, their birthdays, where they were born, how long they've been training, their blood type. Uh, yep. <laughs> lists of facts about them. And if you go like, this is a part of K-pop fandom I can't go into. There are people that talk on like the subreddits and, and stuff like that as if like they know so much about these people who they will never meet. Uh, and they just, they, they know all these weird intimate facts about them and talk about them as if like, oh yeah, I know uh, I, Jenny, I think is somebody in Blackpink. Like, oh yeah, like all these facts, like Jenny is like this. And I'm like, I don't know. These are not people <laughs> that I know. I can't know these things about them. It was, it gets, it, you go too far too quick. And that is just kind of what the internet allows us. Absolutely. I uh, one other example before we go too far down this rabbit hole. Um, I always liked Boogie Two Nine Eight Eight. I think he's a really interesting dude. He's a very very popular YouTube personality, uh, gamer, and podcaster, all sorts of stuff. And he put out a series of videos called his rambling videos, where he just talk about his life and what his struggles were. And he's fairly open, but at the same time, he had an episode maybe a year back where he really said to everybody, "I love." that you all think you know me and I appreciate that. Um, But I do want to let you know that I want to be all of your friends, but at the same time, you're only seeing what I feel willing to put up to you at the right. Like even when I am open to you, I'm only as open to you as I feel comfortable doing, which might even be, you know, which is obviously 
impacted by your own view of yourself. And he's very, he has a good head on himself about that, which I really appreciate about him. Um, he says a lot of stuff on Twitter. He probably shouldn't. And he's gotten a lot of water for that lately over, uh, you know, on these podcasts. But in honesty, he brought up a really good point to me, which was, you know, I am showing an outward outward personality in myself. And even if I'm being very revealing, it's only to an extent. And, and that's, I, that, yeah, no, go ahead. That's really great. No, because I think that as we're talking, you know, people who go too far into the fandoms and stuff like that, you can have sort of the opposite. And I think this movie goes towards that a little bit where Taylor never connects with anybody. Taylor yeah. t- Taylor lives that fake life. And I think like that kind of goes that same way. You know, she just picks up friends for a time being and then uh, drops them off. And, you know, they're, they're like, nobody is, nothing about her life is real. I think there's so many in our personalities that are that way. So it's cool to hear about somebody who has that in his head of like, yeah, no, I'm, you know, we're, you're my audience and I'm the performer. You know, that is a very clear relationship. It is a business transaction. What we're doing. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's, and he's an interesting person because, you know, he's, I think he's, he, at one point in his white life, he weighed almost 600 pounds and he's gotten down to, I think like three or something like that. And has had this whole, you know, journey that people have watched him through. And that in, that in particular, I think is interesting because we have someone like that who shows you the dirty laundry and still it's only whatever dirty laundry they decide to show you. Mm-hmm. But then you have someone like Taylor in this movie that is all, only showing you picture perfect things that may involve some poor gas station attendant having to get on the ground in the ah, desert to get a better, you know, shot of you and your fake friend standing in front of a cool sign. I love that yeah. shot, by the way. That shot was in the trailer for this movie, which is why I remembered it. But it's a great shot when she's like, Can you get even lower? And he gets on the he starts kneeling. He's like, no, get even on the lower. floor. He's like, get on get on the floor. Yeah. Like, and he uh, does it. That's the worst part. Well, yeah, because she's got one of those personalities where she she makes these outrageous requests seem perfectly reasonable. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, oh, if you just got a little lower, then make the angle really super great, and you can get some of the sign in the photo. Could you do that? Thank you. You're awesome. Yeah, and like, and also, she has so little regard for any sort of hardship that is not directly impacting her. I think. I call to mind, you know, there is a moment where Ingrid has regret for taking Dan's car and destroying the car and scraping up real bad. And she tries to fix that throughout the movie. She it alludes to the fact that she probably paid for some of the car to be fixed. She certainly starts gifting him things and, you know, writing him notes and really trying to connect with him again. And the entire time, Taylor's like, it'll buff out. Right. Like. Oh, she's got no idea of the level of damage being she's, done she would never have to take somebody else would take care of that for her right exactly so i think to go back to the core discussion topic that brought us here ingrid is relatable uh all the people in this movie yeah. are either relatable to you or relatable to people you have seen maybe people you know and i think that's the really alarming part about this movie quite frankly and it's also something that begs the last discussion topic we have, which is, will this movie age well moving forward, or is it of its time? Uh, is this going to get worse? Are we so in this well, vanity culture that it's going to descend into further madness? And I, I'm also partially bringing that point up from a technology standpoint. Mm, when yeah. Instagram no longer exists in five or six years, or whatever next form Instagram takes, 
are we going to be able to watch this movie or is it going to seem antiquated at, you know, at that time? Like, Oh, you guys used to post pictures like that. Like you didn't just all upload them to everyone's brain. Like we do now. That's what my great grandkids are going to sound like. Apparently I'm just a brain in the jar. They've been huffing helium over in the corner. Like. Yeah. <laughs> the future is a different time. Okay. Nicole. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's, is there a parallel we can draw? I mean, can we... The social network is more of a success slash, you know, triumph slash sad story, I guess. But I mean, I don't watch the social network and feel too far removed from it. Maybe we're not far, far enough away from it. But that's like okay. really early Facebook where everything looks entirely different than anything you might know today. But but that, that, but that movie is also not necessarily just about no, Facebook. it's, it's a, this movie is just about Instagram. Yeah, it's, it's a so drama. Yeah. On it. hmm, that's interesting. What do you think, Nicole? Uh, I don't know. I mean, the tech is not the the technology part of it is not going to age well. But the you know the need to be liked and approved of and mm-hmm. feel like people see you. You know, that you're not just a background figure in somebody else's drama, even though we kind of all are, but we're all stars in our own dramas, so it evens out. Um, but just so you don't... If, I, everyone has a need to feel like they matter, and social media is a really easy way to get that fix. And I think Social media future, amplifies it, yeah. Yeah, and I think in the and it's it's much more instantaneous uh, feedback, Certainly. and I think there'll probably be you know there'll be some other way twenty years from now that people get that validation. So, but just because it's a different technology, it's still going to be based on the same human needs and desires. So I think it'll it'll be relatable. Uh, let me. Let me wrap up all this with a little personal anecdote here. Yeah, please do. Uh, so I tweeted out earlier today, and I'm not 100% on how to pronounce his last name, so I apologize. Uh, but I said if Adrian Grenier, Grenier, who was the star of Entourage, uh, just for context, who, who plays uh, Aquaman in the movie that t- that exists within the entourage universe yeah. if if adrian uh grenier doesn't show up somewhere in aquaman then what are we even doing That's what I said. <laughs> and i tagged him and he liked it yeah and <laughs> i'm done with twitter like that like i get ingrid like that, that validation, validation from a famous person is from, amazing from somebody that i watched on t you know i watched entourage from, i went and saw the entourage movie in theaters guys don't oh my at God. me don't at me. It's complicated. <laughs> uh, but to get that, uh, you know what? It was a choice. But for him to to like it was just like I like sent it to like a bunch of friends. I'm like, guys, look at what happened. And it's such a small thing, but it like there is that rush of like he saw it and he liked it. Right. Oh, oh it no, it totally is. Amazing. I I when I named my cat Mavis Staples. Now, I know someone who knows the real Mavis Staples, so I have a channel to get things to her. But 
excluding that channel, uh, I tweeted it at Mavis Staples. I'm like, I name my cat after you. I love you. You're the best. You know, because Mavis is like my lifelong inspiration. Want to be like Mavis. She's the best person ever. And she likes it. And then I thought she, I think she retweeted it or something like that. And all of a sudden it became like the only tweet that on my Twitter people care about. And it got a bunch of retweets and stuff. And like, I don't care about all the other retweets, but I was like, Mavis retweeted. And like, no, it's probably like her <laughs> nephew, right? Like he probably runs this Twitter account. There's no way the 78 year old woman is running this thing. Uh, she's, out saving the world and there was such a rush from it i was like oh my god mavis staples so i totally get angered in this movie um am i going to stalk mavis state no no but i am going to see her tomorrow in concert so maybe in a little way i i'm gonna stalk adrian grenier like that's shoot i'm gonna live that life <laughs> so see you guys but i, I think it'll i think it will be interesting to look at the technology of this in particular, because you are right. The social network's a different beast, but I certainly will watch a movie that has like heavy MySpace usage or rotary telephones or giant CRTs. (laughs) And yeah, there is a part of me that laughs inside. And there's a part of me. It's like, this is so far removed from what I have right now. Well, and and I think there's a lot of that comes down to when you have movies like I like the net and hackers and stuff like that, where it's like, uh, swordfish where it's like look at the technology and like they're trying to be advanced and cutting edge and super cool and it always comes out looking antiquated where i think a movie like this <laughs> has the advantage of like it's a storytelling device and they're not trying to show us the next version of instagram right you know, and it's it pictures with captions it's right. not you know like hackers where it's like this day glow tour through a computer where really it just <laughs> looks like those blacklight golf courses you know, just yeah. running like, binary you know. code on like a screen. <laughs> They're hacking. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get into the mainframe. Got to get into the mainframe. So right. how badly to, to bring this to a movie that just came out or is coming out in the next week or two, how badly will unfriend me or unfriended unfriend me as a podcast on, yeah. on, the, on the fraud pants network? How badly will unfriended age? Have you guys seen the trailer for this? The dark web or the first one? Yeah. The first one's been out for a while. Wait, oh my gosh. Okay, so there's a new one where it's basically Skype terrorizes you. No, and that's the first one. But this one has to do with the dark web. I think that one's going to age worse than the first one. Yeah. Oh my god. But yeah, uh, yeah, they're very, they're, those movies are very much of their time. Though I, I can't really scoff at that because I saw the trailer while waiting for The Purge <laughs> this last week. So I don't think I have room to scoff. But I think this was a really interesting discussion. This was an interesting movie. Would we recommend it? I mean, David brought this to the table knowing that he maybe didn't like it. I'd be curious, David, you did mention you had different thoughts going into it again. Maybe that can influence your response to this. Yeah, having watched it a second time, I felt maybe some of that initial awkwardness uh, had worn off on me, and I kind of dug into the characters a little bit more, and I think I kind of connected with things a little bit better. I liked this movie more the second time that I saw it. That's hard to then say, hey, guys, go watch this movie twice. But I think the, you know that it's still got generally positive reviews and got really good critic reviews. I think I can say that people should check this movie out and i think that a number of people will discover it and be like you know what hey i liked that or they'll at least appreciate that they saw it yeah i i totally agree what about you nicole i don't 
know. On you know, on <laughs> on the one hand, it's not a it's not a terribly pleasant movie to watch all the time because only like one and a half characters are really sweet you know like dan is a really sweet guy and ezra's like a half a sweet guy but he's still backing up his now totally shallow wife um but on the other hand you know it's good to see a portrayal of mental illness where it's not just anxiety or depression which are kind of the acceptable mental illnesses nowadays. Everybody's copping to having them. And, but borderline personality disorder is something that's, that's got a lot more of a stigma attached to it, I feel like. And it's good to see it represented in a way that is not wholly irresponsible. I don't know if this is completely responsible portrayal of mental illness but at least it's representation and she's not a completely unsympathetic character at least i don't think so i find ingrid to be at least somewhat relatable i find her to be someone who i uh i have some empathy for um you know she's clearly in pain she needs help and while that doesn't excuse some of you know, she does some terrible things and it doesn't excuse that. It at least gives me some context for the things that she does. So, you know, it's, it's, I think it depends on the audience uh, who would want to see this. I don't think I would wholeheartedly recommend it to everybody. You know, I wouldn't. Yeah, see I agree with that. Date yeah. night, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. That's, that's a fascinating summary, I think, because, you just hit on how I felt with the movie because at the very beginning of the movie, I feel horrible for Ingrid. Uh, she is crying and she's upset and feels excluded from life and obviously very lonely. And she goes through that several times in the movie, but at the very beginning of the movie, I have full-hearted sympathy for her. And then I start to lose sympathy and lose sympathy and I'm like, no, no you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. And then it comes back because I start feeling, you know... I, I feel I start feeling upset for her again because of all the horrible things that are happening around her, and then she starts causing some of these things. I guess what I'm saying is she's a very complex character that I can have sympathy for, sympathy for, while also feeling that she's in the wrong a lot of the movie. And I think that is really real, right? Like that—that that is a real interpretation of how a human being can be. It's not black and white. So I really appreciate that about this movie. I feel like if you want to delve into a social commentary of Instagram culture and you want to do so in a way that doesn't slap you in the face with, look at our commentary, then this is a pretty good way to go about it. I think it's a pretty good movie, actually. Um, But man, it is distraughting slash distressing. (laughs) At least it was to me. Uh, But I do also want to shout out here really quick. I was looking online, and Nicole, I know you're going to do this here in about two minutes, but you did rate this movie on Letterboxd, and I noticed because I've been reading your Letterboxd, and uh, I'm going to pre-promote you here and say that these are really good like summary slash rundowns you're you're giving on these, so if for whatever reason, either it's this movie or whatever other movie, and you haven't seen the movie or you'd like a better, more in-depth rundown before you watch 
or before you listen to the podcast or even watch the movie, go over to Letterboxd and read Nicole's stuff because it's really good. Um, I've only got like three reviews up. Yeah, but they're quality. (laughs) They're really, really good. And I appreciate that your Sharknado, your one and a half star Sharknado is literally a paragraph. And let's be honest. Do you need more? I don't think so. Right. Does it need to be longer to get it? Whether you like it or you don't like it, do you need more than a paragraph to talk about Sharknado? No. No, but we did last an hour on that one, which was shocking. But uh, (laughs) let's go around the table and see if we can find everybody online. David, what about you? Uh, Not doing it this week. I don't need your opinions on Entourage or the Entourage movie. (laughs) So just just leave it. (laughs) At least Topanga the Untamable, is that it? Uh, Topanga the Untamable. Follow my dog on Instagram. Yep, I'll I'll promote that. (laughs) At least she, she would love your opinion on the Entourage movie. Yeah. Please send my top your feelings. <laughs> yes, you can add Topanga on all of your feelings about She it. will respond. I will guarantee she will respond. Yeah, please light up Topanga with Entourage movie opinions. Um, <laughs> Nicole, what about you? Uh, well, as you said, I'm on Letterboxd, uh, Nicole underscore Davis. I have finally started putting up the reviews I've been scratching out uh, during few quiet times going on in my life um i got a whole bunch written i got like three of them up um but i'm enjoying rating things that i've seen yeah anyway uh but i also run our facebook page which is facebook.com slash movie go round podcast and i apologize i just realized um a couple days ago that i had not put up a post for paul blart mall cop Oh, no. I put up something. It's not a big post. Facebook literally will not let me put up a regular post about Paul Blart. And I don't know why. I don't know (laughs) if it's the photos I'm trying to use with the post or if it's just something in the algorithm is saying, no, no, we're trying to protect people from Paul Blart. No, don't. Don't post something about it here. But uh, so there's at least a, a short post up with a link to our Tilting Windmill Studios site um, for moving around that has a link to the episode. So if you want to find the episode, you can go through Facebook unless you want to go through iTunes or your favorite podcatcher or whatnot. Absolutely. Go ahead and check those out on your favorite podcatcher. And while you're doing that, you can rate and subscribe. Every podcast tells you to do it, but you know what? They tell you to do it because it is genuinely important, especially for a small indie podcast like us. So go ahead and do so on iTunes or Stitcher. Those are the two main spots, iTunes in particular. And you can give us um, really a wonderful boost to reach more of you. We're starting to keep track of those numbers better and better, and we have the opportunity to see there are more of you. And since there are more of you, Connect with us on Facebook, also on Twitter, twitter.com slash moviegorounpod, and email us. We want to hear your thoughts. We will read them on the show. Moviegoround at tiltingwindmillstudios.com. It'll also be in the podcast notes if you'd like to go ahead and check that out. And then finally, go ahead and uh, check me out on Twitter at Rivers Rubin, and you can uh, commiserate with me about the Entourage movie, having also seen it. Oh, my it. God. Um, Guys, on the You Did This Test week. <laughs> please please oh, vote no. for the Entourage movie. Oh, no. no. Uh, you no. have to go through like eight seasons of Jeremy Piven sexism to even oh, understand yeah. that movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so great. Oh, if oh, you God. push people toward the Entourage movie, I'm going to ask them to put Sex in the City 2 on there. The, don't, oh, think, don't think that'll stop me. <laughs> 
<laughs> Though I do love, I want to point this out really quick. I've been re- I've been rewatching all of Arrested Development because they just put out a fifth season on Netflix, and there's a part in season four where Job, one of the characters, joins what is essentially a young man's uh, like entourage group, and they keep getting out of the car in front of the exact same. Uh, club that's in the entourage intro and it has jeremy piven's name plastered all over the top like the intro highly recommend the rest of the development but that'll do it for myself david and nicole we are back next week with memoir of a murderer from netflix roulette netflix did to us not you but you're gonna have an opportunity to do that soon we'll see you soon